Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spring microphone. Spring microphone. That's a nothing personal word of the day. It's President's Day, federal holiday. Guess what? Coke is here. I'm here. And thank you for being here live on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel because we got a lot to cover. There's no way we were sleeping in, especially when so many owners use a spring microphone to spew such nonsense that I couldn't wait a day to go through it all with you. So you could laugh along with me as I recall the days of yesterday when I took the spring microphone and tried to make all of you believe that everything was fine and dandy. The team's not moving. The ballpark's getting built. Our team is retooling, but looks good. Look out for our rookies. Look out for our veterans. Look at those guys we signed. Spring microphone is what happens when you get to spring training right around the first workout as we approach the first spring training game, which is at the end of this week, right around my birthday, Coca. It's a very stressful time in Major League Baseball front offices. Now, if you are tuning in right now expecting I was going to lead off with the NBA All-Star Game, I'm not doing it the dignity of leading off the show with the NBA All-Star Game. I got a lot to say about the NBA All-Star Game, but we'll get to it later in the show. But when you've got this many baseball owners talking, it makes me smile. So you get to spring training, everyone's excited. The PR people meet with the owners and they say, listen, we'll do a scrum, we could do a sit down, we could do a regular presser, we could do an interview style, maybe email style if you wanna answer some questions, but we gotta hear from you right now. This is the tip of the excitement. It doesn't get any higher than when there's coverage on Twitter and on our homepage and on the internet and on our newspaper of the pop of the glove and the crack of the bat and the live BP and all the stuff that doesn't mean squat. But we pretend it means a lot because we want you to get all jacked up and juiced up, get those needles rolling and say, hey, MLB is back, baby, we're back. People in the commissioner's office are monitoring. That's what they do, a lot of them, they're monitoring. They're monitoring podcasts, like what's that Samson guy saying today? They're monitoring what their owners are saying or what their team presidents are saying. And then they're figuring out what they have to deal with, what they don't have to deal with, what they can hope goes away, what they hope will never go away, and what they have to do if it doesn't go away. 
John Middleton has been an issue for Major League Baseball for a couple years now. He took over the Philadelphia Phillies, and he has been a candidate for our quote of the year several times with his quote from last year, two years ago, last year, time flies when you're having fun. We want to spend stupid money. Ding, ding, ding. I picture people in the commissioner's office rolling down the fire pole from where they're sleeping on the 18th floor, coming down to the 17th floor, having the pit crew, pit crew put on their suit and their tie, getting the PR people in and figuring out how do we fix this stupid money? Well, how are you going to fix this? Given what's going on in the game, how much money did the 1927 Yankees make? Good question, John. Not quite sure. Or the 29 A's? Nope, you got me hanging. What about the 7576 Big Red Machine? That's in Cincinnati for those who haven't been born. No, not sure how much money they made. Does anybody know? He asks. No. Does anybody care? No. Nobody cares whether any of them made any money or not. True that. Nobody cares whether I make any money or not. True that. I didn't lose any money owning a baseball team. If that's my legacy, that's a pretty sad legacy. It's about putting trophies in the cases. Can I get an amen, Johnny boy? If my legacy is that I didn't lose any money owning a baseball team, that's a pretty sad legacy. Let me do a little quick workshop of the Middleton quote and just say this. Your legacy is owning a team indeed is winning a World Series. And if you can't win a World Series, your legacy is winning the pennant and making it into the World Series. If you can't win a pennant, your legacy is winning a few divisions coming close, but not quite getting over the hump. And your legacy is defined because we're talking obit now. When he talks legacy, we're talking what's contained in between the commas of the obit and whether or not it's first paragraph, second paragraph. John Middleton has made a lot of money. The family's made a lot of money doing a lot of things. That's likely not first paragraph of the obit. He knows. Owning a professional baseball team, that's getting up there. Therefore, let's look between the commas. The Philadelphia Phillies owner, John Middleton, comma, died at the age of, I hope, 120, comma, in 2055, comma, best known for his 40-year run as owner of the Philadelphia Phillies, comma, where they were unable to win a World Series championship or where they were able to win one World Series championship or where they were able to make it to the World Series twice. The lasting impact of John Middleton's time in Philadelphia is the difference he made by embracing the Philadelphia community and the spending of tens of millions of dollars to help with infrastructure. One of his major things was fixing issues with poverty and homeless and child literacy, yada, yada, yada. I'll give you a legacy. It's not gonna be based on the team, performance, whether you won money or lost money. It's what you do in your community. It's the difference you make as a person, as an owner. It will be within a comma whether you won a World Series championship or not, whether you got there, but you already got to the World Series last year. Rob Manford reads that quote and he goes despondent beyond repair because he's saying, God, damn, I got a problem. I got an owner here who doesn't care about losing money. He just cares about the trophies. Now, I'm not gonna go ahead and say that that trophy is just a piece of metal and no one should care about it, but I gotta start keeping track here because if we have seven or eight owners who are all saying the same thing, uh-oh, we're gonna have a collective bargaining problem. Let me see what my friend John Henry's doing. He would never talk like that. He is way too good a businessman. He's not writing checks for the purpose of writing checks. He's responsible for a bunch of investors in Fenway Sports Group. They've got an ever burgeoning, growing billion dollar portfolio, multi-billion dollar portfolio. 
Plus, they've got LeBron James breathing over their shoulder looking at the financials. <laughs> sure he is. LeBron James was so smart. What's he putting his hand through the rim for last night for crying out loud? So John Henry does not meet the media. During spring training, people try to get John Henry to meet the media. He doesn't like meeting the media, doesn't like talking. He barely was interested after the sign-stealing scandal to be a part of the press conference where they got rid of Alex Cora and brought in Ron Renneke, answering questions with Sam Kennedy, their president, Tom Werner, the co-owner. So John Henry said, I know what I'll do. I'm going to answer some questions via email to The Athletic. That's always popular. Do you know when we would have our owner do email answers? I never would do that. But when we do email answers, that's because we didn't trust the owner to actually have a microphone in front of him because we didn't know what he was going to say, when he was going to say it, and whether or not he could regurgitate that which we told him to say. Same thing with John Henry. They have no way of knowing when he takes the microphone short of a script, a written statement saying, and I won't be taking questions, very hard to put a microphone in front of him. So he emails some stuff, and it was fascinating because the commissioner is also paying attention to that. When you are an owner, you get very frustrated over your own PR and over the PR of your team. I have spent many segments on Nothing Personal trying to get Red Sox fans to lay off John Henry. Not because I like the guy so much. No, not because I like his wife so much, who I do, but not about that at all. John Henry has done for Boston what no other owner in Boston has been able to do, and that is bring World Series championships more than one to your city. It doesn't mean he's going to win it every year, but as I've told you, four since 02, four. Now, very quick math will tell you the Yankees have won one since 02. Quick math will tell you the Dodgers have won one since 02. Even quicker math will tell you the Padres have won zero since 02. Here's another nugget for you. The Mets have won zero since 02. Mets have the number one payroll in baseball. Padres have the number two. Yankees, number three. Dodgers are like number seven. Red Sox are down at number 10, let's say. So you're judging them because their payroll is not where the Mets are or where the Yankees are? Why aren't we judging them according to when they win, how they win and how often they win and how quickly they can rebound from not winning to winning again, which they've shown they can do. And when that is your narrative that you believe to be true, which I believe to be true, when you meet media or answer questions or see fans, you get very upset and offended and thin-skinned when you perceive that people are not giving you the credit you deserve. We're not talking about obit credit, we're talking about LC, not line of credit, live credit meaning I'm alive, I want to see the credit. A lot of owners talk about that. Don't tell me they're going to love me when I'm dead. It won't mean one thing to me. I want to see my name in lights when I'm alive. I want to see myself in the Hall of Fame. I want to see myself applauded and lauded and showered the people with love. So John Henry commented on it. He commented on the booing that occurred not just last year, but even during the off season, during the winter classic, do you know why there was booing? Do you know the Boston Bruins are the best team in the NHL? Pay attention. Do you know that Fenway scored four eight sixty nine? It's Monday, off day. No one's working but me today and Coca. Crike. Here we go. Wipe it, Coca. Four six nine. Did you know that the winter classic was played between the Bruins and a team owned by? Fenway Sports Group. I bet you didn't know that they owned a hockey team. And he thought that his hockey team was being booed because he was being booed because they wanted to boo him. That's what he was told. 
So he spent a lot of time emailing the media to get word out to you that, hey, what are you booing me for? There's a false narrative. People were giving standing ovations. People love us. That's what we always say when we get a heckler or a boo or a bad article or a bad column. We'd have our PR department do a little fluff piece, something that was covered by a, a member of the media who we'd give stuff to so they'd get advance notice of a trade or a transaction. And we'd say, listen, we've got to prop up the owner. We've got to prop up this player. We've got to do something. Could you just write something about how good they are at their church on local Sundays? Try to see if we can get a little positivity. But John Henry kept going. And he kept answering these questions. Where were his PR people saying, ah, let's not talk about that one. He was asked about payroll. And he talked about the Mets, Dodgers, Padres, and Yankees and said, listen, we win more than they do. Stop. That's all you have to say. But he said, if you're asking, if you, let me, side note. When you're on the stand or you're in a fight with your significant other and you are in an argument at work, and you're not exactly sure what to say because you don't quite understand what was said to you, here's the words you do not say. If you are asking blank, then blank. What if in fact they weren't asking that? The better way to do it is when you're not sure of your answer and you're not sure of the question and you wanna make sure you don't step in it what you say to the person with whom you're speaking is, I'm sorry, what are you asking? Make them clarify it. Don't you try to clarify it. So John Henry clarifies for himself what he thinks the question is via email where things can get lost in textlation every day. That happens to me and you when we're texting somebody or we're emailing somebody and we're like, God, what does that damn thumb emoji mean? Is that passive aggressive? Or does it just mean that things are okay? Or should I put KK or just okay or fine or not respond? A red heart, a blue heart, a purple. I don't love the person, but I love what they're saying. Can I do a red heart? Is it weird when it's guy, guy, girl, girl, guy, girl, guy, girl, don't know, he, them, they? What do I write? I get it. There's anxiety. We're all trying to read what each other's saying without hearing voices. I'm in. Let's be careful out there. And it's okay to say, I'm sorry, what are you asking? Because what he said is, if you're asking if we're gonna move to $300 million payrolls, the answer's no. Oh my God, John, they weren't even asking that. The only team of the four you mentioned who have a $300 million payroll is the Mets. So you could have said something like this. If you think that we're gonna act as irresponsibly as Steve Cohn and the Mets, I can tell you right now, we're not. He's chasing his first ring and he can chase all he wants. I'm chasing my fifth ring. We're turning that frown upside down. We're making sure that the people with all the questions understand that I'm giving the answers I wanna give, not the answers you are baiting me into giving. But no, John fell for it. Next question, what about Mookie Betts? You let him go to the Dodges. What about Xander Bogarts? You let him go to the Padres, you know, you re-sign Devers, but what about the guys you let go? Classic problem when you're meeting the media in spring training. You get no credit for keeping the players you kept. You only get criticized for the players who you let go. Side note, you're always gonna let players go because that's how it goes. Front note, you've got to take that bull by the horns and say, 
The player we identified as the one that we wanted on this team long-term from the beginning was Rafael Devers. We were going to do whatever it took to get him signed. And when we got him, we knew that our offseason has accomplished that which we set out to do. Try criticizing that, media people. Instead, when asked about Xander Bogarts, what could you have done differently? Here's the answer. What could you have done differently about losing Xander Bogarts? Nothing. That was always our plan because we knew that our focus was on Rafael Devers. Hip, hip, hooray. Instead, he answered, 12 years, meaning outbidding the Padres. Come on, man. That's not a helpful answer. Then you've got the fan base saying, look at that cheap, penurious son of a crack. I was going to say, I don't know what I was going to say. Can I say bitch on this? That cheap S-O-B-I-T dog female. Of course, if he had done 12 years, we know that because we listen to nothing personal. If you offer him $1 more, one year more, hell yeah, he's saying, he didn't need to go to San Diego. Oh, I like the weather better. No. So John Henry struggled. John Middleton is being looked at. But now we've got the third of the trifecta, Johnny Angelos. Hello, Johnny. John Angelos is the owner of the Baltimore Orioles who just finished a lawsuit against his brother and his mother. He and his mother were against his brother. Their father is completely medically, physically incompetent. All, everybody's fighting. Now they're done fighting. And now John, who doesn't meet the media very often, decided, hey, I'm going to meet the media in spring training and I'm going to keep talking. Forget the fact that I get coached into giving short answers where I don't roll on and on. Don't break silences with continued talking. Wait for a question, answer the question, shut up and wait for the next question. Not John Angelos. He'll hear a question, he'll talk, he'll talk, he'll talk, and then there'll be a pause. And then he sees the pause and then he gets nervous and says, okay, I'll keep talking. The more you talk, the more chances you're gonna say something stupid. And John did not disappoint. It's pretty viral right now if you haven't seen it. He said, could payroll be double or triple what it is? Could it be over $100 million? Yeah, but we're not there yet. We have a very young team that's overachieved and overperformed because of the great work of our baseball folks. It's not my job to predict payroll. My job is to make sure that the community partnerships are sustained. First, I have to do the concerts. Then I have to do the public-private partnership to help Camden Yards. Oh my God. Okay, when you go to president's school and owner's school, you sit down and you get your notebook and you start taking notes. Back then, when, when I went to the school, there were no laptops or anything, so I just had a pad of paper and had Major League Baseball's logo on it. And they say, okay, we got a few rules for those of you who are gonna be the public faces of the franchise. Could you please stand up and step forward? So I stood up, I said, hi, my name's David Sampson. I am 31 years old. I am here solely because my stepfather bought the team. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I've never had a microphone in front of me. No idea, can barely speak English, not smart at all. And baseball, I wanna be a point guard for the Knicks. Tell me, what's the number one rule here? Oh, we got a very easy one. Here it is. Don't ever say that your job is not to run the team. 
That's the only rule I want you to remember. Secondly, if you have the capacity to remember two rules, don't criticize the commissioner. Have fun. Good luck with your one-on-ones. And remember with scrums, you may want to sit up if you're short. Thank you. Good to see you. What about the ones in French? Yeah, you'll be fine. Do you speak French? Yeah, okay, good. Go on. Good luck. Are you aware of the history of Montreal? Oh yeah, big time. I read all the books. I know exactly everything that went wrong and it'll be blamed on me. All right, good. You're gonna be great. Start your first interview. Bonjour, Monsieur Samson. Je suis désolé que tu es ici parce que tu es merde. <laughs> sorry. Am I off the subject? Google, translate that. It means we're sorry you're here because you're shit. That's actually a true story. So John Angelos, as the president, you really never want to say that it's not your job to predict payroll because, by the way, that's our only job. You know my briefcase that I walked around with one, three, and five-year payrolls. It's all you talk about with your GM and your owner. That's it. As an owner of a team, and John Angelos is way more an owner than a president because his owner is completely out of it, in bed, not able to do a thing. So you're running the team. There's no owner. Your president is reporting to you. Your business people are reporting to you. Your baseball people are reporting to you. He's not willing to announce any sort of contracts. He had a great season last year, overperformed, but did not invest into it. And his only excuse was, what, what do you want me to tell you about payroll? Hey, if the buck doesn't stop with you, then why are you in front of a microphone? If we can't look to you for answers, and this is a pretty easy equation, if you can't look to the public face of the franchise for answers, that person ought not be the public face of the franchise. You may not always agree with what that person says. You may not like it. You may not like him, even if you've never met him. All of that said, you can't stand there and say, and Derek Jeter was masterful at this. Yeah, you know, that, that was the last guy's problem, and we're just trying to fix it to make sure we're good. Here we are six years later. They're not talking about that anymore, are they? Eventually, the buck stops with the public face of the franchise. So don't talk about things like payroll, which is what fans are concerned with and what they think about, or keeping players or trading players, and say, yeah, I leave that to the baseball people. Horse hockey. No public face of a franchise above the GM, president, owner, chairman, CEO. None of them leave that to the baseball people. They're all involved in decisions. You think that Chaim Bloom said we're going to get rid of... Uh, we're not going to re-sign Xander and we're going to re-sign Devers. What do you think, John and Tom? No, that's not how it works. Rob Manford is sitting in his office deciding, what do I do? I've got a bunch of absolute numbskulls here. We try to teach them what to do in front of the press. And each year, I am more and more surprised at their inability to actually do something. I've got Samson here telling everybody that there was an issue with the Mets and Carlos Correa. I've got John Henry telling the union that he is under no circumstances gonna spend his revenue and not go to 300, so he's putting in a salary cap on his own. I got John Middleton saying, I want the ring so badly, I'll do anything. I got John Angelo saying, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I got Phil Castellini saying, the fans suck, you stink, and I can't win. I better do something. I got an idea. Let's form a committee. It's my favorite thing to do when you don't know what to do. When you're in your business, it's what you do, right? Whatever business you're in, you have a new project. All right, we're gonna form a committee to deal with this project. You, 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 you're in charge of that. What the hell, man? We're in charge of everything anyway. Why does it have to be a separate committee? Like we have to meet once a week? We're talking about this stuff every day. We're not gonna meet every day. It's just another thing on my calendar to pretend I'm busy. 
Those days are over, man. That's pre-COVID. I don't need to fill up my calendar with lunches and dinners and calls and Zooms and drink Zooms just to let you know that I'm busy. Let me get some work done here. Nah, nah, let's form a committee. Let's put the same owners on the committee or on the executive council. Let's put the same owners on the committee who work really well with me. We got to put some small market guys, put some large market guys, get the Dodgers there, get the Tigers there. Hell yeah. Always get Dick Montfort because he's involved in labor. You got to have him on that committee for sure. And we're going to call it, wait for it, the Economic Reform Committee. Love it. Why are we forming an Economic Reform Committee amongst owners of Major League Baseball? Here's what we're going to say. We're going to say it has all to do with TV revenue. Very tough times right now. Will Bally's go bankrupt? Yes. Will MLB have to take over some rights fees from teams? Yes. Will MLB have to figure out how to monetize those rights to make those teams whole? Yes. Will they be able to do it? Yes. Quickly? No. We better form a committee to find out what to do to those teams because if they all of a sudden have less revenue than they expected, they're going to have to start trading players, creating an even bigger payroll disparity than that exists today. That's a problem. Yes. So we're going to form a committee and we're going to say, we're going to figure out the new TV situation. Oh, by the way, while we're forming, while we're here, we got another little topic to discuss. Let's talk about revenue disparity. Hell yeah. Let's talk about payroll disparity. Now we're talking. When you've got a team at 80 and you have a team at 350, that's a problem. It is very hard to compete on a consistent basis when your payroll is a third of the top 10 payrolls. Statistics show that if you're in the top five payrolls, you are more likely to make it to the World Series than not. Of course, there are anomalies of low payroll teams who make it to the playoffs, even to the World Series, sometimes even win the World Series. All of that said, the reason why an economic reform committee was just formed by Commissioner Rob Manfred is that we have a collective bargaining negotiation coming up in only, wait for it, two to three years. They're preparing for Armageddon. Why? Not because the union is pissed, because owners v. owners is happening right now. We've talked about it on Nothing Personal. You've heard me say the biggest job the commissioner has is to keep owners happy while their teams are increasing in value. Stop the fighting. Don't ever let blocks of owners get together and do anything. I don't care if they want to choose the location of an owner's meeting. We are not allowing eight owners to get together to decide that we want filet and not sushi. We can't let owners think that it's even a possibility. When Steve Cohn was doing what he's doing, Rob noticed that owners were beginning to get together. Large revenue owners, small revenue owners, high payroll, late payroll, low payroll. All of a sudden, Correa is a twin. Guess what? This committee that has been formed by Rob Manford is for the sole purpose of making sure that owners are keeping in line as they approach the next collective bargaining agreement. Because if they don't have a proposal for the players where there are 23 votes supporting that proposal, you might as well propose that we can have 10 outs and a total payroll of $1 million for the team and we'll call it the XLB. That's how serious it is what's going on in Major League Baseball. And the formation of this committee is step one. It's like you don't start running for president right before Iowa. You start now. MLB is very smart. Rob Manford, a lot of things. Brilliant among them. 
He knows starting this committee today, keeping owners in check today is his best chance to keep them together tomorrow. So you're gonna be reading a lot more about this economic reform committee, I promise you. And uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, it's a break. Coco, what do you got, Lana? Are we gonna see Sylvester Stallone sneeze again? We come back, we're gonna review Stolen Youth, a uh, the cult at Sarah Lawrence. Then I'm gonna talk about the All-Star Game because my, oh my, was I really, really angry. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Coming in March, it's March Madness. I always thought that that was like redundant. When else would March Madness be? I just would say coming soon, March Madness. I believe that my audience is smart enough to know that March Madness comes in March. Call me crazy. It's not like MLB playoffs, they give you a month, we associate with October, but it's the MLB play, It's MLB playoffs or the Super Bowl. It doesn't tell you the date. It's actually, is there another event? Kentucky Derby, no. First Monday in October, that's good. You always know the Supreme Court starts in October, the first Monday in October, so that one I know. But March Madness, it's sort of a gimme. I feel like, maybe not. What's the deal with cults? I love it. I'm in, right, Scientology. Kool-Aid, the whole package. I mean, it always ends badly, of course. And it's always about sex, of course. It's crazy, right? All the people who want you to believe in what they believe in, and they're telling you it's religious salvation. We promise you, be a part of our group, but make sure your pants are around your ankles. Make sure that I have equal access to you, your wife, your, and your children. God loves you. God wants you to be in my bedroom. I know it's a strange thing, but trust me, your path to salvation starts in my pantalones. Not a big fan of cults, as you can imagine. It's a nightmare if your kid gets involved in a cult. Sarah Lawrence is a college. Bunch of kids living in an apartment. All of a sudden, a dad shows up. The dad starts living with the kids. Weird. Now, I'm all in for visiting your kids in college and having a night of partying, but then go to your hotel. You don't stay in your college kid's dorm room. Weird. And then, by the way, you don't start sleeping with your kid's college friends. Double weird. And then get an apartment off campus in New York City, and all of a sudden, all your friends have moved in with your dad. Triple weird. And then all of a sudden, there's a lot of sex going on. Well, that's what happens. Stolen Youth. The Cult at Sarah Lawrence is a new documentary on Hulu. Spoiler alert, there was a cult at Sarah Lawrence. Spoiler alert, there was sex involved. Spoiler alert, the guy who did it is not doing it anymore. Still watch it. 
I could spoil a little more, but it hasn't been a month. I think it's a three-parter. You're investing three hours of your life. Here's why you need to watch it. If you have friends, or if you have kids, or if you have parents, believe me, there's some cults for old people. It'll knock your socks off. Hey, we got you covered. Yeah, come here, come wheel yourself right here. Yeah, I'm gonna need a piece of that. It's common. Nursing home cults. Look for it on Hulu next year. <laughs> this is a serious topic. I'm making light of cults and I shouldn't. I never did drink Colt 45s though. I always thought it'd be only half as good as Colt 90s. Cults happen. How can you tell if your kid or parent or friend is in a cult? Well, the same way you tell if they're drug addicts. If they start doing things they didn't used to do, they start not doing things that they did used to do. If they don't respond to you, if they disappear for days at a time, weeks at a time, if they've got a little mustache thing like from when they were a kid of red Kool-Aid, if they've got holes in their arm where needles go, I'm just giving you a few things to look for. Sometimes there's nothing you can do because when you're in a cult, what you say to people who are not in the cult is you say, hey, look at Tommy boy, not Chris Farley. I'm talking about the cruise man. He looks happy. He's jumping on couches. He's doing stunts. He's, that's not a cult. Scientology is not a cult. It's totally normal. Live and let live. I always say that on nothing personal. Why can't you just live and let live? Because in this case, with cults, it's not live and let live. It's live and let's have sex while you're on drugs. Except not psychotropics if you're a Scientologist. Stolen Youth, Hulu, you're on it. I used to get so excited for All-Star Weekend. You have no idea. When there were the three-point contest and the dunk contest, and you had Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan and Julius Irving and Harold Miner and Spud Webb. I mean, this Kenny Walker did the dunk contest one year. It was a high draft pick for the Nick Knicks. I mean, not great. I loved you, Skywalker, but you didn't really help us all that much. But in any case... You had celebrity judges giving them 50s or 40s or 30s, and they were interesting dunks. And then you had the three-punk contest where there were racks of balls and then the money ball, and these guys are shooting, and you know it's all the best shooters. You're feeling great about everything. Then you get to the Oscar game, and it's East versus West, and you don't see a lot of East versus West, and then you've got absolute enemies on the same team, Knicks and Celtics and Sixers playing together. Now I'm looking at skills competitions. I'm looking at dunk contests with four people I've never heard of. Now I've heard of the guy named Mac Macklemore because he somehow entered from the G League and now he's the cat's meow. I've got Damon Lillard, who's the three-point king. No, not in the All-Star game. I don't mean that. What's going on? A, it was boring. B, I was wistful for what was, and worse, I had to wake up and then watch the All-Star Game. The All-Star Game is no longer Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. The All-Star Game is there's two team captains who draft teams. One of my funniest things of the sports weekend was Adam Silver announcing, hey, we don't want anyone to feel badly, so in the schoolyard draft that we do, we're gonna draft the starters last because then no one will feel as though they were picked last. Hey, I used to be picked last all the time. When you're five foot two, 
and you're good at basketball, no one's gonna believe you. You're still gonna be picked last. Then you're gonna play really well because you can shoot and dribble and pass. Can't really rebound. You get your shot blocked sometimes. And then the next day when you're back on the playground, they look at you and say, I'm sure that was a one-off, you're picked last. You play well again. And then finally they look at you and say, all right, I'll take you. Look, there's still one guy left. That's the new guy, he can't walk. I know what it is to be picked last. I know what it is to have that complex where you wanna play better and be smarter and do more and say, I'm gonna be more successful than you are, even though you were picked first and I was picked last. I get it. These are NBA All-Stars. I think they're okay. I think the reserves on the All-Star team that were not hurting anyone's feelings if some guys picked last. That's how it goes. Here's an idea if you don't want someone to be picked last, don't do a draft. Have the Eastern Conference All-Stars play the Western Conference All-Stars. Then nobody's picked last. You still wanna call a captain? No problem. I'm fine with that. But I wanna see, I don't wanna see Jason Tatum going against Jalen Brown, Celtics v Celtics. I wanna see teammates. I wanna see Joel Embiid pass the ball to Jason Tatum. Hell yeah. Then I wanna see Luka feed Jokic. So I'm watching the game. They changed the rules. It's all offense. There's no defense. Jalen Brown, after the game, called it a joke, a disgrace, not even a fun game to play in. It's not fun when you're running up and down the court and chucking threes and dunking the ball. I mean, that's like a regular season game. Why not make it so it's even better than what happens during the regular season? Why not a little defense, some two-point shots, some skills? I don't mean the skill thing from Saturday night. How about some pick and roll, give and go, not give it to one guy and then move away and then chuck it from deep and then deeper and then deepest. It's boring. Final score was 269 to 629. I think that was the final. They did it by quarters, which confused me. And then the final, but it's the first team to 182, but they got there quickly, whatever. Jason Tatum scored 27 points in a quarter. MVP scored, what did he score? 38, 52, hike, 47. Don't care. Fans are watching that game and they're complaining. And the reason they're complaining, it's like watching the Pro Bowl. What's the fun of a Pro Bowl if there's no hitting? Why is Major League Baseball's All-Star Game so fun? You can't fake 98. You can't stand up there and just do nothing. You could go John Cruck and get scared of Randy Johnson, but you're having real at-bats. You may not want to leg out a double or go from first to third, but you're laying out to catch a ball and you're throwing the ball because you're not going to throw 80 instead of 90, which is what you throw. It's pretty competitive. Football became a flag football game because it was such a joke that no one was hitting. The NBA cannot come back next year with the same format. You are gonna see the numbers come out today and the numbers are going to be so bad that the NF NBA is going to get together and say, what are we gonna do? Well, I've got just the thing. I wanna go back to a regular dunk contest and I want to incentivize the best dunkers of the game, the best players in the game to participate in the dunk contest. And I wanna do a old school dunk contest. I wanna lower the hoop to eight feet and I wanna get Dominique Wilkins, Michael Jordan. I wanna get Spud back. Even Harold Miner looked like he could do it. Baby Jordan. I wanna get back George Gervin. Maybe we'll lower it to six feet. Haven't we all 
dunked when we lower our hoop? Am I the only one who would take a Nerf hoop growing up and take the Nerf ball and do the dunk contest on a Nerf hoop? I can't be. Or had the, when baskets were able to be lowered, I'd bring it down to like five feet and then take a small ball because I can't palm a ball take a smaller ball and do a worthy or do a 360, do a helicopter. No way I'm the only kid who was doing that. We can lower the hoop as much as we want, get some of the old names back and then have the real names compete. Then when we get to the all-star game, have it again east-west in the first half. And then in the second half, go with Coca's and change the teams around and make it USA versus world. That'd be cool. Put all the US players versus the world players. Like to see that with the German infusion of talent. And then how about this one? Do you think the players would take the All-Star Game seriously if the NBA Finals were decided at the All-Star break? Hmm. Do you remember in baseball, make it count when players, whoever won the All-Star Game, the league that won the All-Star Game got home field advantage in the World Series? Do you know how much the players actually cared about that? Zero. Zero. Do you know how much the NBA players would care about having home court advantage in the NBA Finals? A lot. You want to play at home in the NBA Finals. You have a way bigger home advantage in the NBA than you do in any other sport. Simple. Whichever conference wins the All-Star Game, they get to choose. Do they want to play games one, two, and six, and seven at home or games three, four, and five? That's how the NBA finals. It's two in one place. Then you go on the road for three, and then you're home for the last two. Two, three, two. It's like Major League Baseball's World Series. Two, three, two. We talk about it a lot of times. Would you rather be the middle three or the end two? In baseball, I'd rather be the middle three. In basketball, I'd rather be the end two. But let the conference winner choose. I think that'd be cool. But you have to choose right after the All-Star game. Take some of these suggestions, roll with them. We are 24 and 29 in our nothing personal pick of the day. The Ottawa Senators lost the Chicago Blackhawks. That's a tough one. We are down 6.6 units after a month and a half, five games under. We started the season 0 and 7. We're only two over since then. It's been rough. Betting NBA, betting NHL. Is baseball coming back? And I'm not going to give you spring training games. No chance, toilet pants. But March 30th is coming. We're going to hang in there. I watched the Rangers play the Flames, come back from a 2-0 deficit just to lose in overtime. Rangers, if you're not paying attention, nice team. Nice team you got there, Jimmy Dolan. I'm going to take the Rangers over the Winnipeg Jets. Okay? Thank you. That's the pick of the day. All right. I want to talk about uh, something else that happened this weekend in baseball that was of great interest to me, and it was what Manny Machado did. Manny Machado is a player for the San Diego Padres who signed with the Padres because he studied their minor league system and loved it so much. Oh, and they were the only team to give him $300 million over 10 years. Five years ago, he signed that deal, $30 million a year for 10 years, hence 300 over 10. But his agent, Dan Lozano, is so good that he got an opt-out after five years of the deal just to say, hey, I'll be 30 years old, 31 years old. Let's see what's going on in the world. Well, here we are five years later. The Padres have become a juggernaut. They have the second highest payroll in baseball, which is staggering. Third highest behind uh, Mets and Yankees. Just staggering. All-stars everywhere. He's playing on a team with Juan Soto, Xander Bogarts. Incredible, right? 
Manny Machado stands up this weekend and says, I love you, San Diego, and I still love our farm system. You guys are the greatest, but I'm out of here. I gave you till February 16th to sign me to a long-term deal or else I'm gone. I was thinking to myself, you are in a long-term deal. You're year six of a 10 or year five of a 10-year deal. 30 million a year, Manny. What's the problem? Well, Manny Machado gave some quotes and said, markets change from when I signed five years ago. It's changed tremendously. Things change and evolve. And as a player who's about to opt out, it's pretty good to see. <laughs> Let me try to help out any executives listening to Nothing Personal. Stop with the player opt-outs, even though they're demanded. If you stop giving in to them, they won't be able to demand it anymore. You wanna do a little collude, do a little collusion. Do not give players opt-outs because they only use them to screw you. They don't use them. If Manny Machado were hurt or sucked, you'd have him for five more years at 30 million a year and you'd be despondent. Now that he's played well, he's threatening to leave you and is gonna leave you because he wants more than 30 million a year and he wants an extra five years tacked on because everyone else is signing till their 40s. Why not me? Why not now? So what are you gonna do? The Padres offered him five additional years, which would have been a $15 million deal. They offered him another $105 million. So he would have had a 15 year, $405 million deal. Five years ago, if the Padres said to Manny Machado, we will offer you 15405, but there's no opt-outs and no no-trade clause. Guess what? He would sign on the bottom line so fast your head would spin off like a top, like Inception, and it wouldn't stop. Are we real or are we dreaming? Well, the Padres are offering 15405, but now he wants more. The fact of the matter is, all he has left is five years, $150 million. So in his mind, if I beat 5150, I'm opting out. <clears throat> and I'm not opting out for an additional 5105, because then that would only be 10 at 255. Are you following the math? 10 years, 255 is what the Padres offered him today. Five years ago, if they had done it, it would have been 15405. But now it's 10 255. Machado looks at the market because what agents do is they call the other teams and they say, hey, are you going to be 10, 255? They say, hell yes, I am. So Machado says, well, I'm negotiating until February 16th. And after that, I be seeing you, Henry. Are Padres fans going to boo Machado? Is Machado not excited about the season? No. He said, I want to win a championship for this fine city. Of course he does. Because if Machado plays well and the Padres win a championship, he's going to get way more than 10-255. Way more. Because someone's going to be super excited. Yes, the loser of the Otani sweepstakes. I'm going to give you one of the great wait to sees of all time. An early wait to see. Coca, get ready to book it. Shohei Otani will sign before Manny Machado. Because Manny Machado will want to nuzzle right up there above all of these guys who signed this year, the Bogarts and the Seegers last year and the Betzes and the Devers. He wants to be above all those guys. Maybe Judge, uh, maybe Trout, definitely over Giancarlo. But he's going to wait to see where Shohei signs and how much he gets. Because if Shohei gets to 60, then Manny can say, hey, Give me 400 for 10, baby. Just you wait. Make that official, all right, Coca? Manny Machado will not sign as a free agent until Shohei Otani does. 
I assume that baseball owners are going to be addressing this very issue when they have their economic reform committee because the power of the players to use these opt-outs to hurt teams and to go from team to team is absolutely staggering. And it's got to stop. Well, it doesn't have to stop because the truth is it's just business. See you tomorrow. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.